It's Sunday night, it's 9.30 and it is time for the Jersnet podcast. The totally free Rangers show run by the fans, for the fans and as always we are absolutely live. tonight then welcome along remember you can get involved as always in the show by leaving us your comments and your questions on the youtube stream uh, i'll be keeping my eye on that throughout the show and we'll get to as many of those as possible um the pod will also be available to download from monday morning so make sure you subscribe and you will never miss a thing as always we're available on itunes google play acast Castbox, stitcher pretty much anywhere else you can think of so make sure you hit the subscribe button um, some happy news from all of us here at Jersnet this week is that we hit the number 2,000 subscriber mark on the YouTube, uh, which is absolutely massive for us. So if you're one of those who subscribed, then from all of us here, we just want to say a, a huge and sincere thank you for supporting our wee show. Tonight on the pod, we're going to be taking a look back at our return to Scottish Cup action, as well as previewing the visit of St Mirren in midweek. Uh, we'll also take a wee look at all the latest news from Ibrooks and the Hungwell Training Centre, of course, of which there's been quite a lot this week. In case you're new and you've not picked up the names yet, my name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your Jersnet podcast host this evening, and I am delighted to be joined by two heavyweights of the Rangers content universe. First up, we have a man who sends more WhatsApp messages than anyone else I've ever met. Welcome along to Colin Armstrong. Uh, Colin, did you know that my missus is actually suspecting that I'm being unfaithful because of the amount that my phone is buzzing because of your messages? Well, it's nice to know I'm, I'm getting you in trouble, Ross. So that's always a bonus in life, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I find that a scurrilous accusation, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you. No, that's that's fine. I mean, it's it's quite clear from the standard of patter that comes through on the WhatsApp that your Twitter feed is sort of it's clearly filters that the top twenty to thirty percent of your patter makes it onto Twitter. <laughs> uh, uh, no comment. No comment at all. That's fine. Uh, also, <laughs> it is the ever popular John McCallum. John, how did you pass your time over the winter break? Well, I practiced and practiced for this. Well, it, it doesn't show. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> to be honest, the last time I was on, they had somebody on who was an expert on, on youth football, had seen thousands and thousands of youth, youth football matches for Rangers. I was a complete expert. And the time before that, they had a professional journalist. So to be honest, I'm just really pleased it's you two tonight. Huh? Oh, I don't know why I do, I don't know why I do this, guys. Honestly, no. <laughs> just to get abused every week. <laughs> no, we don't know why you do it, and, and certainly neither do the listeners. Um, right, guys. Before we get started, and I know I've done a, an intro that's already taken over four and a half minutes, so apologies for that. Um, but before we get going tonight, it, it wouldn't be right to crack on without first paying our respects to. Probably the first great Rangers goalkeeper of the modern era, the Hall of Famer Bobby Brown, who, who very sadly passed away this week at the age of 96. Uh, Bobby made 296 appearances for Rangers, keeping an, an astonishing number of, of clean sheets at 109. Um, and, and the fact that's, that's well quoted about, about Bobby was between August 1946 and April 1952, he managed to make 179 consecutive appearances without missing a game, a, a feat that will surely never, ever, ever be repeated. Uh, Bobby won three league titles, three Scottish Cups, two League Cups, and, and, and went on to become a full Scottish internationalist, uh, whom he would also later go on to manage, overseeing that famous victory over England at Wembley in, in 1970. 
Bobby Brown will rightfully go down as a, as a legend of Rangers Football Club. So everyone here at Jersey Net just wants to to place on record our, our deepest sympathies to, to all of the family that he's left behind. So from there, what we'll do is we'll, we'll move on and we'll take a, a, a good look back at Friday night when Rangers return to competitive action. Obviously, we've had the winter training camp over in Dubai, uh, the, the mid-season friendly against Locomotive Tashkent that, that went very, very well. And we returned to competitive action at home against Stranraer in the Scottish Cup. Um, it never set the header alight. It was never one to get the juices flowing. Um, but in my opinion, Colin, it was a professional performance, if not spectacular. What did you make of the performance on Friday? Uh, before we go on, I should point out that Scotland-England game when Bobby Brown was manager was 1967 and England were world champions at the time. Not to, you know, make you look like a fool live in air, Ross, or anything like that. Uh, but <laughs> the, the, but the, 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 the game on Friday, sorry, as for the game on Friday, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think... Uh, it's just it was one. It was it was always going to possibly be one of those games that you just try and get through. You know, lower league side that are sort of struggling. It was obviously going to go uh, with a, a seriously sort of weakened side. It didn't make for great view. And one thing I would say is a, a big uh, sort of doff of the hat to the to the attendance on the night. You know, it was a Friday night, January night, uh, really cold, and you know you would you would think supporters would maybe have an easy excuse not to go, but it was it was a healthy crowd, so fair play on that front. But the performance, you know, we were never really in danger, I don't think, of losing the game. Uh, we were a wee bit sloppy at times, but, you know, uh, we got through it, and that's the main thing, you know, we, we got through, and our name's in the hat, and, and we got Hamilton today in the draw, so uh, I think it was just one of those. No, I, th- I think that's fine. I mean, John... Stephen Gerrard in his in his post match has, has come out and said that at times he was he was bored. Um, obviously, the Scottish media has twisted that to say that Stranraer bored Gerrard, which isn't what he was saying at all. But at, at times, the game it was never. Like I can see he's all on the YouTube stream already. Can we skip Friday night? I'm trying to forget about Friday night. It was a tedious watch. Totally agree. But we'll talk about it anyway. Um, John, it was it was never exciting. It was slightly boring. What was your opinion of the game? Oh, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what you're talking about. I uh, like everybody else. It was, yeah, it was, it was. It's one of these games where you don't have to hide into nothing. I know Stranra, you know, the best ball in the world. Stranra came, and if they could get a draw, they'd be really pleased. The minute they went one down, they weren't going to get a draw. Uh, they didn't threaten. We had several fringe players there. You know, we got the result. We get into the next round. We didn't pick up any injuries, as far as I know. That's all. You, the best you can hope for. Um, I, I actually feel sorry for some of the players um, because I don't think there's a great deal can be expected against that. I mean, if you got out and won six 0 it would just have been said, "Well, that's what's expected." As it was, we won two 0 very, very comfortably. Um, I think you take that and you move on. Uh, I, I can understand why people said it was boring. It certainly wasn't the most exciting game. It certainly wasn't as exciting as the game before it. Um, and I think that's the, the kind of cloud, that cloud nine we've been sitting on since then. Um, so to come back to the Stranraer match, you know, I was pleased at the result. I'm pleased we're through. You know, I, I think no more of it. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm dead excited to try and fill this segment out for another 14 minutes. <laughs> um, right, right. John's mentioned, Colin, John mentioned uh, fringe players there. Obviously, off the top of my head, who do we have at starting lineup? We've got Edmondson. Halliday, Fodringham, obviously Brandon Barker's come on and got a wee run around. Um, did any of those fringe players 
stake a claim for you? Did they did they do enough to to put their name on on Gerard's mind and and really push themselves to get into the into the starting eleven in the second half of the season? Uh, the short answer, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think the the, the young boy Patterson at right back showed something. Uh, but I mean, I mean, again, going back to what John was saying, it can be quite difficult in these games. You know, it's hard to judge players in these games, but you know, the, the way it is just now. I would I would suggest that Stephen Gerrard's got a strong sort of 14-15 that he's going to go to all the time, and I think Friday's game represented an opportunity for your you know your boys that are sort of 16th, 17th, 18th in the pecking line, you know your Andy Hallidays and uh, Edmondson's obviously struggled to get game time and. You know, so it seemed to me that he went with a, a, enough experience, especially in the middle of the park. You know, Ryan Jack uh, and Scott Arfield in there, but the, the guys that came in, uh, I, I don't think so. And I think Gerard slightly alluded to that at the end. You know, and he, he sort of said similar comments. We spoke about it last week in the show in, in the game in Dubai. You know, he, he made a comment about guys grabbing an opportunity and another another guys pushing it further away. I don't think anyone uh, really made a stake on, on Friday, who's who's not getting game time at the moment. The young boy Patterson might come in because I, I, obviously there's an issue with Tav at the moment and I think he's out for a couple of weeks. So he might have staked a claim, but but outside of that, no, I think I think what Friday proved is we've got a strong core. Maybe, as I said, 13, 14, 15 guys and outside that, we're, we're, we're probably a wee bit thinner on the ground, I think. Well, look, it's, it's one of those where uh, no matter who you put out, a Rangers team's expected to be a Stranraer side. Obviously, uh, uh, that that's doubled when we're playing at home. Um, so it's it's no surprise to see that rotation and see the French players come in. As as Max sixty seven says here on YouTube, we will be playing our best team available now going forward in in every game, and that's absolutely right. You know, guys on on the stream here are saying we need to play better in the next round, um, and that's true. Of course, we'll need to play better in the next round. You know, it's Hamilton. We've got a good record there, but. We'll, you know, we'll be putting out a stronger side. Um, a couple of interesting wee stories coming around some of the fringe players. Um, we'll talk about young Patterson in a moment, but John, there's some news today about Wes Fodringham was reported in the media up in Scotland talking about how he almost feels like he's wasted the last couple of years and it's it's difficult for him to sort of imagine where his future is going to be. And, you know, obviously his, his contract only has so long left to run on it. How would you kind of rate Fodringham's prospects at Rangers. Obviously, McGregor's form is as good as it's ever been um, and doesn't look like it's going anywhere anywhere soon. We've spoken, we've been doing this show now for, what, two and a half, getting on three years. And in that time, we've kind of always been saying, look, I expect Fodringham to move on in search of first-team football. He's still there. He's still sat on the bench and he's still turning out performances only against the likes of Stranraer. Um, what chances does he have of a Rangers future? And do you kind of accept where he's coming from when he says he's he's possibly wasted the last two years? I don't think he's wasted the last two years. Uh, I think he's been at a club uh, that has got... And it's funny, you talked about Bobby Brown earlier. I think Rangers have, in my lifetime, have had a, a, a level of goalkeeper and a, a level of goalkeeper coaching that's probably the best in, in Scotland. Um, and, and arguably as good as there is in the, in the UK. Um, you know, from you know, right way through from you know guys like Andy Gorham, um, Chris Woods before him, but but all the way through. I mean, you know, Alan McGregor. We take Alan McGregor for granted. I think we all forget that the McGregor actually came through a youth system. 
you know, he is one of the few shining lights that came through. And, and I think it's no, I don't think it's an accident that he's a goalkeeper because I think we have a culture at Rangers and have had for a long time of producing and developing good goalkeepers. So I don't think Fleuring has wasted the last two years. I understand why he said it that way because he hasn't been getting first team football. Now, I think we all have to be entirely honest here and say Alan McGregor's a better goalkeeper. Um, Alan McGregor hasn't done anything to deserve being dropped and as such, Fleuring has had to, to kick his heels on the sideline. Um, perhaps one of the reasons that, that McGregor's form has been so good is that Fleuring has been sitting on the sideline. You know, there is a goalkeeper there that uh, I think we all rate. I think we all feel Fleuring was a guy that can come and do a job. I don't think anyone thinks Fleuring did anything wrong. I think just McGregor's a better keeper. So uh, I suspect he doesn't have a long-term future. I suspect that uh, an English club, a League One club, maybe even a Championship club might come in for him. Uh, and I think he could go on and have a pretty good career. Um, I think if he was at pretty much any other team in Scotland, he would be first choice. Um, I think he's a good keeper. Uh, I, I think he's a nice guy. He comes across well uh, every time he's been called in. I mean, we talked about the game on Friday night. You know, he didn't have a lot to do, but what he did, he did. You know, he, he commanded his box when he had to. Uh, his distribution was pretty good. Uh, he did everything that was asked of him. So I don't think he has a long-term future. Uh, if he leaves in the summer, he leaves with her every wish, uh, every good wish, and, and I hope he has a, has a good future. However, there is a chance that he could be called on before the end of the season. You know, there is a chance that McGregor could pick up an injury. Frankly, there's a chance McGregor gets suspended. He, McGregor does have that wee bit about him where he just might get involved in something. He might just choose to hass somebody. Um, so Fodringham may well have a, a part to play. Uh, he may still have a cameo role before the season is done. Uh, so I hope we don't sell him. Uh, I do hope we keep him until the summer and then I suspect he'll move on. I totally agree with you, John. I think he'll be here till the summer. Because um, I, I, I don't think we can sell him now because I don't really rate who we've got waiting in, in reserve behind him. I don't think Andy Firth is, is up to the task and uh, Robbie McCrory apparently is still a, a fair way away in his, in his development. Um, but I do sort of... The guy first still on the books, isn't he? The guy first still on the books. I am sure he got, a, he got a wee run out against Tash Kent. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I mean, I'm, you know what? I've not seen anything from him that, that suggests he's going to be a Rangers first-team keeper. Um, but I do sort of see where Fodringham's coming from. I don't, I don't like the way he's kind of phrased it and maybe his, his words have been spun a wee bit in terms of wasting the last two years. But as, as Graham says here, being a number two goalkeeper is a tough, tough job. And evening, Graham, it's good to have you with us again. Um, but you're right, he will have learned a huge amount under McGregor, who's played in top leagues, not just Scotland and England, but obviously went abroad to, to Turkey for a little while. Um, he's a full international, uh, been around the block, and and hopefully he will have learned a huge amount that, that will stand him in good stead for a, a strong footballing career. I mean, the guy's what 27, 28, maybe fodering him, so he's still got, in terms of a goalkeeper's career, a, a fair amount ahead of him. So, look, I agree, John, he's he's probably not got a long term future, but he's one of these guys who has played an important role in, in striding us towards getting that league title back. So, I don't think anyone will kind of complain when he when he moves on and it'll go with everyone's thanks and best regards. Um, Colin, we've, we've mentioned young Nathan Patterson, who's, who's come in, uh, made a, a decent impression in the friendly over in Dubai and then probably was most people's man of the match against Stranraer on Friday. 
He's kind of jumped ahead there, ahead of John Flanagan and Matt Poster, who can both play at right back. Do you see Patterson now as, as Tav's deputy? If you know, Tav's going to be missing for the next couple of weeks, do you think that Patterson's the one that will hold down that shirt? Or would you be more in favour of going with the experience of someone like Flanagan or Poster? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I like Flanagan, but I, I just wonder about... Uh, I, I think Rangers, the, the system now is so dependent on the fullbacks. You know, it seems to me that Steven, Steven Gerrard is replicating the sort of system that's, that, that Liverpool are using on, under Klopp. You know, there's you've, you've got your midfield three that, 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 that sort of, they're not overly creative. You know, it seems to me that their job is... To, to keep teams hemmed in and to get the ball as wide as, as often as possible. So I don't know if Flanagan would fit into that for me. Uh, and I'm not sure about Polster either. I mean, I've only seen Patterson a couple of times, but, you know, he was he was sending in decent deliveries into the box. So I would suspect that if, if Tav is out, I've not seen any official yet, but, you know, there was, there was some chat in the WhatsApp and here and there on Twitter and stuff like that about him uh, having appendicitis. If that is the case and he's out for a couple of weeks, then I would say that Patterson's put himself in a very, very strong position just based on the, the system that, 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 that Gerrard's using at the moment because the last time we dropped points was at Pataudry, Uh and we, we didn't look the same team that night and, and Barisic was out, you know, and Flanagan just didn't offer. Flanagan always comes inside, especially when he's on the left, you know. I think Steven Gerrard wants his fullbacks to be on the line you know, going going as far down as possible to try and get uh, deliveries in from from the byline and also from deep. You know, also from you know getting over the halfway line and just looking and, and picking a pass. So I don't think that suits Flanagan. So I would be I would be surprised if if, if he goes in over the next couple of games. Uh, I would say it's just my opinion, but I would say that the boy Patterson has given himself a real, a real good shout if Tav's out for the next couple of weeks. Well, look, it's it's good to see, I suppose, because I'm I'm like you. I, I'm no I'm no convinced of how Poster and, and Flanagan fit into this system, and um, I don't particularly expect too much, particularly against St Mirren. I don't expect too much of a kind of pacey threat down the wing from them. So I think it's it's a kind of one of the safer league games that we could have uh, Patterson playing in, and, and we've not done enough really to bring through young lads over the past six or seven years, probably. Um, so. At, I've you know I've I've watched the guy as closely as possible, particularly on Friday night, and I'm I'm with you. I think he probably is the right person to come in and deputise. Um, I I would be amazed if he becomes a well second choice right back. What's he? Eighteen. Eighteen years old hasn't played a hasn't played a league game, and you think he'll come in ahead of Flanagan? I would be very surprised if he comes in ahead of Flanagan. I know he looked okay against against Arsenal, but you know, um, I don't, I don't think you can judge. I don't think you can judge any of the players in that game. But I certainly don't think you can judge a young fella. Um, like the rest of you said, it would be great if we could start developing young players, and at some point you got to play them. But I would be really surprised if he comes in that team ahead of Flanagan. Uh, Flanagan, I think is, I, I think Gerard likes Flanagan. I think he's known him for a long time. I think he feels he is reliable and to be fair he is a right back um, I agree with Colin he, you know on the left you know he, he has to keep coming inside um, we'll be interested to see how he plays as, as a right back uh, I think he'll be a bit rusty but uh, I would be really surprised if if uh, that the lad comes in if Parson comes in ahead of him I really would 
sorry, John. Uh, sorry, Ross, on you go. No, I'd, I'd just I'd argue that if we are going to bring through these players, and, and Patterson looks like one of the most talented young players we've had for a, a few years, I'd argue if we are going to bring them through, and we should be, then we need to start not just giving them friendlies and not just giving them Stranraer in the Cup. We need to give them league experience. And one of the safest ways to do that is against one of the weakest teams in the league and at home, um, and a team that's not set up to pose a, a pacey wing-based threat. I think it's the, the perfect time to do it. I, would, I mean, I would, I would. I, the only, the only concern I would have about bringing them in, and you know, the next couple of league games is is a trip to Tynecastle. You know, I know Hearts are struggling a wee bit, and you know, they're they're not in the best shape at the moment. But even it, it, that 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 game is always a tricky game for Rangers, I think. You know, and that's probably the, maybe one game where I would think about bringing Flanagan. But I'm Euros. I think, I think the boy showed enough. I think he he's obviously been looked at. Uh, by Gerard and Gerard made a comment last week about speaking to to Craig Mulholland about you know how he gets some of these young boys in the team. I, th- I think you're right, Ross. I think a home game against St Mirren would represent a good opportunity to give the boy a chance. Uh, away to Hearts at Tynecastle would maybe go with the safe for the safer hands there and bring uh, and Flanagan in. But uh, going back to what I said about the system, I don't think Flanagan fits into that system now. I think Rangers are so dependent on their fullbacks getting forward. You know, they're, they're relying on the two centre halves to be really strong and that midfield three to, 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 you know, the minute we lose possession, we are all over teams to try and get it back as quickly as possible. Uh, so I think the fullbacks positions are now, in terms of creating chances, are, are really important for Rangers and I don't think Flanagan fits into that. If he's not going to play him against Hearts, then he's not going to play him against St. Martin. I mean, you've got, to, you've got to give somebody a run. You know, you, whoever's going to play against Hearts is going to play against them, I think. And, and this isn't, you know, I haven't seen enough of Parson. None of us have seen enough of Parson. We, we've all heard fairly good things about him. Um, he's not been out in loan, has he? I, I wasn't conscious of him out in loan. Um, do you know, if, do either of you two know if he's been out in loan for any period of time? No, not, not that I'm aware of, no. No, I'm not aware of him either. So this is a guy who, who is, as far as I know, has never played a, a game, of a league game. He's never been involved in a league game. I don't know. I don't think he's ready. I, mean, I think it's nice to throw him in against um, Stranraer in the Cup, but I, I, you know, it would be a massive gamble for Gerard. You know, I, I, th- th- this season is not about bringing two young players. This season's about winning the league, and as such, I think you play your strongest team. And and as much as I don't like Flanagan, I don't like him as a person. I'm not particularly enamoured with him as a player. I would be very surprised if he doesn't start a right back when when um, when that team comes out and wins the next. Very surprised. I think this this actually ties quite nicely back into a couple of things that have been spoken about on the on the comments of the YouTube stream here. Um, Robo one two three makes a really really good point. Tactically, if we're playing Flanagan at fullback, you need to have a natural winger in front of him. So what you're saying there is that if if you put Flanagan in at right back, because he doesn't pose the attacking threat that Tavernier certainly does, and and that it appears that Patterson does, you need to have that natural pacey winger playing ahead of him. Now we're playing Ryan Kent on the left wing. If we've been playing Jordan Jones before he got injured, he was playing on the left wing, but we've been putting Joe Aribo out on the right-hand side and he's been doing very, very well there, but he's not a natural pacey winger. He's more tricksy, he's more kind of bringing others into play. So uh, that's why I think if we are playing Flanagan on the right-hand side at fullback, it kind of dictates and it necessitates structural change, full structural change to kind of change the, the shape of the team. It means moving Joe Aribo away from the place where he's been most effective 
um, packing that midfield again, trying to sort of artificially stick someone out on the right-hand side as a winger. And who do we do with that? Maybe Brandon Barker, who's not really set the header alight and proved his worth. Maybe Greg Stewart, who's played, uh, played right wing in the past. I would say that it's no ideal. And it shows actually, this whole debate shows the how crucial Tavernier is because as soon as he's missing for two or three weeks, and by the way, I can't think of a time when he was last missing for two or three weeks in his entire Rangers career. Um, we're kind of having quite a panicky debate about how do we facilitate him being absent? Um, and I'm conscious that we could kind of rage this debate on throughout the evening, probably. Um, but one thing before we move on, Ross, but are Rangers playing with wingers now? I don't think they are. I think Aribo and Kent play one in to allow your fullbacks. It's almost, at times, Rangers almost play a 2 3 5. You know, your fullbacks really push on. You're two sort of natural wide men in Kent or whoever's on the uh, on the right that's a rebo at the moment, they seem to me to play the width of the the the, the, the penalty area and Morelos is in the middle. So I, I don't think we play with wingers now. When the, 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 the team that I see, we don't have uh, wingers out in the wing. We have the fullbacks going up and down there and a rebo and Kent playing one in. So I, I, I struggle to see Flanagan fitting into that system. So it's either you go with the boy Patterson, who looks more like uh, Tav in, in terms of his ability to get up and down and, and send in decent delivery, or you, you, you change the system entirely. I totally, totally agree with you, Colin. Um, now, sort of following on from that, we also have the discussion about how we lead the line. And obviously, with Morelos being suspended for a little while, the, the obvious answer to that is Jermaine Defoe. Um, Defoe, I noticed, Colin, you, you kind of passed on a little stat earlier in the week that after he scored on Friday, Jermaine Defoe has scored a competitive goal in every single year since the year 2000. Like The guy is historically prolific. Uh, prolific. He's an incredible natural goal scorer and a real threat in front of goal. However, there was a comment uh, on the YouTube about 15, 20 minutes ago, and I'm, I'm scrolling back trying to find it. Stephen Saunders, there we go. As much as I love Defoe and his record is good, I still worry when he leads the line and he's more of an impact player now. And actually, despite the stats and despite the goal-scoring record, I agree with that. We are more dangerous and we look more dangerous and potent when Morelos is in. So do you worry, Colin, that actually we're having Defoe, despite being such a prolific goal-scorer, despite being historic and setting records, we're not as dangerous when he's leading the line. I think I went in record before, sort of. You know, I, I think he can come on and do a job every now and again. If something was to happen to Morelos and we were going to rely on him for, say, five, six, seven, eight games, then I would I would worry a wee bit. And again, it, it, you would maybe have to tinker with the system because I think how you, you supply those two strikers is different. I think it was last week when we were talking about the January window, we were saying, you know, what kind of players would you want to bring in? Because Gerard said he would only bring one in if he got enough out. I asked the question last week on the show, well, what area do you think we need to strengthen? And I would go for a striker. And don't get me wrong, I'm delighted the force here. I, I think he's, he is a natural goal scorer. And he's, uh, again, like talking about the young boys like Patterson and, you know, all the rest of it. The, these guys, they must be so lucky they're now to beat Rangers because every morning they're going into training and Steven Gerrard's there and uh, Jermaine Defoe's there. You know, Defoe, you know, Famously teetotal, really looks after himself. You know, if you're 17, 18 years old, going to work every day and, and looking for ideas and inspiration about how to make it as a professional football player, 
and he's, he's your guy and Gerard's your guy. So these, you know, the, 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 the young boys at Rangers are now are so lucky that they've got people like that. And, you know, what the, what the full brings to Rangers isn't just on the park, you know, as in that, I think we've seen an improvement in Morelos and I think a lot of that's down to the full. Uh, but would I be happy with them leading the line for a prolonged period? I don't think it would be, no. No, I, I completely agree. John, just a final word on, on Friday's action. It was the first home game um, since the turn of the new year. Traditionally, that means for Rangers the, the ceremony of the Loving Cup, which again, we've seen the pictures of, of the manager, of the directors, the director of football, and then the Stranraer directors as well, kind of toasting the Queen and, and hearing the story of, of the Loving Cup and the history behind that and, and how it was presented to us. A wee word on, on kind of that tradition and, and how important is it for Rangers to, to keep these kinds of traditions alive? I, I think it's actually very important. Um, I mean, the Loving Cup one, it's interesting. Um, it's something that, well, I, that I grew up with. It's something that you grew up with, Colin grew up with. Every Rangers support them knows about the Loving Cup. And of course, it used to almost always be against Celtic because, it, it, you know, traditionally, the New Year's Day game um, where I was growing up was was Rangers Celtic, um, so uh, you know every second year it would be against Celtic, and then and then between the year it could be against anybody, and uh, that, that first home game and 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 it, this was just something that, that we grew up with. It's something that happened. Um, I, I think at some point of Red Rangers support learns the story of how we got the Loving Cup, um, and it's a wonderful story, you know. But it's a story from 1937. Yeah, it, it's you know. I don't think my I don't think my great grandparents had, had met in 1937. Um, far less my, my, my father being born. You know, it, it's it's a long, long time ago, and yet this is still something we do. And that, for me, is part of being a Ranger supporter. You know, there is this there is a history to being a Ranger supporter, and, and you know, but other clubs as well. Other clubs have have history, and they have these kind of things. Um, so I think it's 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 important that it, it continues. I think it's important that. Um, we, you know, the next generation learn about it. You know, you know, you know, trying to tell my children what a colliery disaster was. You know, that that's it, it's like someone telling me about the Boer War. I mean, it, it will just seem like something from a, a, another age to them. But it happened, and thirty men died, and and families were left. This was, you know, before health services before these things existed and, and these families were left with, with, with no breadwinner and, and you know in extreme poverty and, and the fact that Rangers A were invited were of, were of such standing to be invited to play that game um, and B uh, raised a, 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 you know, what was a tremendous sum of money at the time I think is part of the story it tells something about the standing of the club uh, it tells you something about the kind of man Bill um, Struth was uh, that he agreed to play this game um, and I think that's that's vitally important. Now, I appreciate we are in different times. I I see, I know Rangers supporters who are not royalists. You don't have to be royalist. Nobody's making anybody take part in this. You know, it's not like they're being forced to do it. This is something that happens in the, in the boardroom. And, and I personally, um, and I, I'm no big royalist either. But personally, I'm perfectly happy for this to happen. And I can hope it continues to happen. I think it's a, a lovely tradition um, and I hope it continues to happen. Very much so. And, uh, you know, last word on this from, from Chris here on YouTube. Loving Cup is a tradition which is a good reminder 
of what Rangers is all about. We are a club of tradition. We are a club of standards. Um, and it's a, a wonderful reminder of um, almost of a, of a bygone era, of a different time. And when, um, when the city of Stoke was, was in need, Rangers came and answered the call and, and raised a monstrous amount of money. And uh, it's, uh, you know, to me, it's, it is one of these kind of symbolic moments that really sums up Rangers as a club. Um, guys, from yeah, there... Just to just jump in and talk you there, and, and, and uh, uh, just to pick up on that if I can, and I know... Well, the interesting, maybe Colin will be with me, but you won't. You know, when, when everything went to the wall under, under um, Mr White, when, uh, you know, when we were at our lowest ebb, one of the things that upset me most was learning that we'd sold... The, the, the Arsenal shares. Yeah. And it, mm. it, it seems strange because they, they, were, they, were, they were largely symbolic. But the fact that we had them, the fact that they had been given to Bill Struth, the fact that they had remained in our club, the fact that we didn't do anything with them, you know, we didn't, we didn't interfere in Arsenal, but it was part of our tradition. And I was so upset, so angry that he sold them. And, and the Loving Cup is part of that, and that's part of being a Rangers support. You know, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be reaching a milestone birthday this year, and, and these are things that are important. And I think, as I said, I think every football club has their own thing, and, and not just Rangers. But as a Rangers support, these are things that we're talking about. It's an Etienne bank. The Loving Cup is one of these things. Um, and, and these traditions are important. They, they are a big, big part of who we are, and I agree with the, 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 the guy who wrote in there. Before we move on, Ross, I mean, one thing I would say about the Loving Cup uh, is it, it, it's another example of, of how the club is perceived, in my opinion. Now, the, when people talk about the Loving Cup, they don't, and I'm talking about people outside the club here, they don't talk about the fact that Rangers were invited down to, to support a community at a time of need. They don't talk about the money raised. They just talk about the, the royal family part of it. And that's all I've seen on Twitter. All weekend after that that ceremony, you know, oh, what's the toasting the queen and all that shit, all that nonsense. They totally ignore the the positive side of it. No, the royal family are there to be, you know, criticised and shot at and all the rest of it. And that's that's for people to, you know, to have their own opinions on that. But the 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 strong charity side of it, which is something which our neighbours are very much at promoting. You know what I mean? That gets totally ignored. And it's a it's a it's a great tradition. I'm kind of like John. I'm not overly strong in the royal family, but you know, I would never change that for the world. It's it's part of Rangers and it's part of who we are, and there's a, a real story behind it, and it should continue. But I always I've noticed recently people outside the club focus on you know the other side of it, the 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 part that maybe could be criticised. They don't talk about the charity side of it and the money raised and what Rangers done. Uh, to help a city and need all that kind of thing. That gets totally ignored. So it's a great tradition. It should be uh, continued. And people outside the club should appreciate it and uh, and recognise it as, as, as a good tradition. Aye, lads, very well said. Um, and with that, I think we'll, we'll sort of flick back to the Fitba. Um St Mirren on, on Wednesday coming to Ibrox. Um, Colin, St Mirren were quite a stuffy opponent earlier in the season uh, when we went over to Paisley. Uh, needing a wee bit of magic from from Borna Barisic hitting that spectacular free kick that kind of turned around his Rangers career. How much have we progressed since then? And, and do you expect this to be a slightly different encounter to what we saw a few months ago? I think we've come on leaps and bounds since then. Uh, I mean, there, there, there were signs, but 
early on in the season, you know, uh, obviously the first game of the season at Kilmarnock, we half them puffed, got the, 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 the last minute winner. I was at a game up at St. Johnson and until we, got, we went in nothing each at half time and again, we looked a bit devoid of ideas, came out the second half, got the goal and, and, and that loosened us up a wee bit. Uh, still there, and the, the game at St. Murn as well, you know, huffed and puffed until we got that, that goal. I would say from about November onwards, we have looked at, at a strong, strong side. We're coming on leaps and bounds. I think the tempo that we're playing at just now is uh, when we do it right, teams just can't live with us. And I'm including Celtic there. I mean, I know they won the cup final, but they were chasing shadows for long periods of that game. The game at Celtic Park, same thing. You know, they, they just couldn't live uh, with the tempo. And the first goal against Celtic is an example of that. How we, how we get the ball and uh, our corner flag, you know, and within nine, ten seconds, it's nestling in the net and it's all we one-twos, nice wee triangles. And we are playing very, very well at the moment. So I would expect it to be a very different game on Wednesday night. Obviously, there's the issue with Tav. And although he's not having the best of seasons, I think he is integral in terms of the, the system that we're playing. But I don't see that being enough to derail us. Uh, I think if we play at the tempo and at the level that we have been playing for the last sort of six to eight weeks, uh, we, sh- we should be home and hosed fairly comfortably. Now, this was the point, John, that last season, obviously, we, we went into the winter break level on points with Celtic. And then we came back after the winter break uh, to face Kilmarnock. And it kind of all slightly unraveled from there. How do we ensure that that doesn't happen this time and that we keep the momentum going? Because as, as Colin says, we have been in spectacular form over the last six to eight weeks. Obviously, a minor blip up at Pataudry. Um, But, you know, the, the form that we're in is, is incredible in its league-winning form. How do you make sure that that continues and that we don't have the rustiness. We, you know, we never exactly got much of a, a blowout performance on Friday. Is, is there a danger that what happened 12 months ago could repeat itself? I think there is a danger, yeah. I actually think Simon will be a harder match than, uh, than Colin does. Simon actually in decent form. Um, they've lost once in the last five league games. Um, they are... They don't score a lot of goals. They don't concede a lot of goals either. You know, they're a stuffy team. Um, they're a physical team. Um, as I said, they're not going to score many, um, but they're a hard team to break down. And I actually think it will be a harder game um, than maybe many of us do. Uh, I also think that we will miss, well, we've mentioned Tav, we'll miss Tav, we'll miss Morelos. Um, you know, they're two big players for us. Um, arguably, you know, arguably our two best players. Um, but certainly two very important players um, going forward. Uh, you know, they, they are. I don't have the stats, but I suspect if you were to look at it, those two have been involved in more than more than half of our goals. Probably, probably close to seventy percent of our goals between them. Um, that's 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 quite a lot to take out of any team. So I still think we'll win, um, but I think it will be a harder match, uh, and I could see it being an early one. I could see it being one of these horrible games. Um, so what do we do? It's all about it's all about the mentality. It's all about how we how they work in it. I think that's what we were doing last season. I think we came out of, of the victory against Celtic. We went on our, our um, trip to I think it was Spain last year, and I think we came back with Steve Davis, um, Jermaine Defoe added to the squad, and I I, I think we believed our own press. Uh, I think we went into the first game. I, I went to that Kilmarnock game away. Um, it was a cold night. Um, we went, we took the lead. And we sat back 
Um, that we'd, one, of the, one of the defenders made a mistake. I can't remember who it was. Now. Um, one of the defenders made a mistake, gifted them a goal. Um, and, and to be honest with you, after that, it was only going to be one winner. Kilmarnock were just more up for it. Um, so we need to be ready for the, for the fight because St Mirren are fighting for points. A point will be, they'll be delighted with a point. You know, they've, they've a bit of daylight between them and Hearts, but they're one of four or five down at the bottom that could that will get dragged into to the playoff place uh, at, at the very least. Um, so the fact they're in decent form, um, I suspect that they will come to, come to us. It will be two banks of five, and they will quite happily play for nothing each. Um, so mentality is going to be really, really important, Ross. I think that's that's probably the single most important thing is is the the, the guys this week. Um, being, you know, they need to go into this game as if, as if it's Celtic were playing. They need to go into this game knowing that only a hundred percent will do anything less than that, and and I think we could have a problem. To be quite honest with you, you're absolutely right that the mentality is is massive here, um, and we've spoken so much that over the course of the last few shows that this season has really been one of lessons learned from last season. We've we've learned from the mistakes that were made last year. And we're putting them right this time around. So I kind of I believe in the mentality of the players now. And I couldn't say that 12 months ago. I actually also agree with what Stephen's saying here on YouTube is the fact that most of our upcoming fixtures are at home is, is massive for us. You know, Ibrox is, um, it, it's of course a difficult place to go. Obviously only the one um, case of drop points at Ibrox this year, which was in the old firm earlier on in the season. Um, and we're turning Ibrox into an incredibly difficult place for teams to visit. The fact that most of our games are at home is is the polar opposite to last year when we had to go away to Kilmarnock in a you know a cold January night, um, playing on that awful artificial surface. And then we I think we did have quite a number of away games in, in quick succession. Um, the fact that we have the games at home, I think, will, will be really, really important. We've kind of previewed this game talking about the lineup, talking about the French players and, and Nathan Patterson potentially keeping his place. So I'll, you know, in, in the interest of time, we'll kind of move ahead away from that. The last question I have on on the St Mirren game on Wednesday, Colin, seven point four miles according to my Google Maps here between St Mirren Stadium and Ibrook Stadium. That's twelve minutes in the car. How many fans do you expect St Mirren Football Club to? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Uh, they don't. They, they're not really traditionally known for bringing uh, a big a big away support so oh, they'll have their usual couple of hundred in that corner I think but and they'll all be booing you know because that's all they do uh, sitting on fans that they're, they're, they're fond of a good boo every now and again uh, and I'm sure is that a song they sing all the time the ball bags are blue I'm sure that'll get aired and and you're not Rangers anymore I'm sure that'll get a wee in as well you know the usual stuff but no I mean St Mern they are where they are, you know. They're a they're a provincial club, and you know, probably community based and Paisley and all that kind of thing. I, I don't expect them to, to bring a huge away support. Brought a, a huge support that time they won the cup final in 1987. Or strangely, thirty thousand turned out that day. But uh, no, no, I don't expect much to come along. To be honest with you, you see, I don't really mind St Mirren booing because. Honestly, if I came from Paisley, I couldn't find it in myself to be confident or positive about anything either. So that's fine. <laughs> every, every Rangers fan for Paisley that's listening in, it's just, it's just logged off. Sorry, sorry, everyone. The Garden City of Paisley. Um, no, lovely airport, though. Um, right, we'll kind of move away from, from St Mirren before I upset anyone else. Um, we've had quite a big week, I'd say, off the park, Colin. Um, 
particularly around our, our good friends over at the Scottish Football Association announcing a raft of charges against the club and against players, backroom staff, the whole lot of it. Um, the way I've written it down here, these are trumped up nonsense charges, um, which seem to have only been announced on the day that Rangers returned to competitive action. What's the appropriate response from Rangers here? Because what we've had so far is Rangers have, have kind of put out a fairly brief and fairly, let's say, succinct statement saying, can't believe these charges. I think the word they've used is we are astounded at these charges um, and we will make further comment after the weekend. So, right, the weekend's coming to an end. What's the appropriate response? Uh, I, I, I don't really know, Ross, to be honest with you. It, it, it's, I find it hard to believe that three weeks after that game, we're still talking about this. And it happened last year as well. When we beat them on the 29th, there was the same uh, sort of controversy that rumbled on and rumbled on. They seem to me to be a club incapable of accepting defeat. You know, there's none of this, well, the best team won, let's just go on with it. It's, there's always controversy, there's always reasons, there's always conspiracies. And it seems to me that there's obviously been some uh, heavy leaning from Celtic on the SFA in, in terms of getting something up and running on this. Uh, it just seems nonsense. you know. And, and even, st we spoke about it a wee bit on the show last week, some of the stuff from you know Celtic-minded uh, correspondents in the media, your John Hartsons, your Chris Suttons, it astounds me that they, uh, they hold down a position because you know, they, they can't hide their their support. And they don't even do it in a sort of cheeky, funny way. They do it in quite a controversial way. Uh, I mean, I, th I think Sutton's had three articles on Morelos since the since that game. It, it's just nonsense. It's, it's nonsense, uh, the highest honour. And, and, and today, I, I noticed another sort of, he's a kind of well-known Celtic fan. He, he does the tours at uh, Central Station, sort of big beard and all the rest. Of it. I can't remember his name. John Lyons, I think it is. And he was talking about uh, conspiracies and, oh, and how he wished that, uh, oh, what's his name, the QC that died a couple of years ago, uh, the sort of Celtic supporting QC. Paul, Paul McBride. Paul McBride. If, if, if only Paul McBride was still alive, you know, this stuff wouldn't be happening. And then a couple of Rangers fans came in and challenged him. And what, it, it, his, his retort was, uh, oh, you know, everyone's got their opinion. It's only football. Well, John, if it's only football, don't be dragging dead QCs out the cupboard to support your argument. It, it, it staggers me. It really does. It absolutely staggers me. The only one team deserved to win the game that day, and that was Rangers. The the, the stuff around Morelos, absolute nonsense. The stuff around Ryan Christie. Celtic seem to be alluding to the incident with the same two players last season. Now, that incident happened right in front of me, and the referee seen it. Now, initially, Christy stamps on Morelos, and Morelos retorts by giving a, a wee dunt in the groin, right? And the referee's seen it, and I think he's thought, I'll let that go, because if I'm going to have to take action, I'm going to have to send both of them off, right? But Celtic are obviously alluding to that without mentioning the fact that Ryan Christie stamped on Morelos. You know, he provoked a response and got it. Whereas that game that just passed, I, I was a wee bit surprised at Alan McCoyce on Friday night. He was saying it was a disgrace that that Christie, uh, you know, got a red card retrospectively. He deserved it. He, ha he had a book in. He's done it again. I don't know how the, why the refs not sent him off. And no one seems to be mentioning ball and golly. That was another definite red card. 
No, I mean, so I, I just, I just find it staggering, and it, it, it actually, if this is about losing a game, does them, I actually think, well, what will happen when we eventually win that title again? You know, what I mean, there'll be petitions, there'll be, <laughs> there'll be a queue a mile long at bloody, you know, the Kingston Bridge. You know, it'll, it'll just be absolute chaos because they seem to me to be a club completely incapable. Maybe it's down to having it their own way for so long. You know, when when Rangers were in the journey back up. You know, they were on easy street. It's maybe related to that. They maybe kind of get back into a competitive mentality, but I actually doubt if they've ever had that. They seem to thrive on a, a conspiracy theory of... They seem to me to be the only club that thinks if it wasn't for Masonic referees and big bad Rangers, they would have won every single tournament in Scotland throughout the entire history of competitive football in Scotland. You know, because but, every defeat has a reason. But Colin, just to be clear, I mean, are you saying that had Rangers not won that game on the 29th of December, we wouldn't be faced with these charges. And and if so, is, is that no in itself a conspiracy theory? No, I, I, I mean, if we hadn't won that game, it would have been a different game. You know what I mean? This has all happened because of the way the game played out. This thing that Morelos got a second booking or a third booking up the tunnel I, I don't buy that for a start uh, I was speaking to someone who also does the pod who you know has a few connections at the club and apparently a Rangers security man was waiting for Morelos at the touchline straight up the tunnel straight into the dressing room so I, I don't see where he would have had the opportunity to get a, another yellow card so uh, it just strikes me as nonsense to be honest with you and it just seems to me it, it, it's indicative of a club that just can't accept defeat and there always has to be another reason for it. It, it, it actually depresses me at times you know what I mean I, I, I was on the show last week with David Wren and he was sort of bemoaning the English game a wee bit saying you know it's becoming a bit plastic half and half scarves and all the rest of it but there still seems to be a level of common sense down there when it comes to football up here it's just off the scale sometimes I, I'm amazed that you're amazed I, I thought there was nothing surer than, than some sort of charges were going to come um, I don't think the timing was accidental. Um, I think the fact they came out and the, they were announced the day Rangers were playing was was entirely deliberate. Somebody's yeah. part. Somebody's part. Um, I think if you if you look at the, the charges, let's, let's let's ignore the fact that it took them so long to make them. Let's just ignore that for a second. Um, the thing at the Hibs game, um, the, the two coaches were sent off, so you know. That's been dealt with. The referee saw it. You know, and it wasn't, it was, you know, it was two guys shouting at each other and, and they lost their temper. I mean, there was no punches thrown. There wasn't, you know, there was nothing like that. The two guys were sent off. Um, as far as I can see, that's been dealt with. Um, you know, it's done. No harm done. The two guys get sent off. You know, that that's fine. Um, then, you know, something similar at the Celtic game, where again, um, you know, backroom staff. There's a, there's a bit of shouting at each other um, are coming together. But again, you know, the, the, the guy gets sent off. As far as I remember, he gets sent off. And feel free to correct me if I've got that wrong. Um, you know, the no, he was sent up the tunnel. So, aye, that's what I thought. The fourth official saw it. was reported that the referee, referee sent him off. Again, that is dealt with. So, you know, an argument can be made. And let's, let's, I'm trying to be as impartial as I can here. An argument can be made that, you know, two games in fairly short succession, where Rangers backroom staff have been sent off. Okay, we want to have a word with the club and, and, and you know, 
what's going on here? How come this is happening? It's happening too often. You know, it doesn't look good on TV. Setting the wrong, um, certainly setting uh, the wrong kind of message out to, you know, whatever, supporters, players, people watching, kids at home, whoever. Uh, you know, I could kind of accept that. Grudgingly, I could accept that there's maybe, there's maybe, maybe grounds for a, for a quiet walk with the club. Okay. Um, the Morales, uh, the Morales gesture for me is just nonsense. It's a red herring. Um, it was very clear what he was doing. Anyone who thinks he was telling 45,000 Celtic supporters he was going to tell them is, has, has, you know, is demented because it's clearly not what he was doing. He was clearly saying the game's done. The game's it's, done. It's, it's, it's worth it's it's worth point. It's worth pointing out, John, that the the, the commentator in sports scene comments about it at the time and saying that, you know, he he sort of says along the lines of, well, Morelos doesn't seem to care. He's he's suggesting that the game's over. You know, so the commentator at the time makes the comment that that's what he's saying. Game's done. Doesn't matter. We we, we all realise that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just not accepting that. But the Ken one, I mean, the Ken one, is, I, I, that's the one that stounds me. That I mean, as far as I know, there's nothing they can do in terms of they can't he can't get a retrospective booking for it. He can't be sent off for it. He can't get banned for it. It's a fine. It's, it's a fine for the club if he's deemed to have broken some kind of rules. You know, I remember Brian Loudrop, and I, I saw it in my own eyes. He scored against somebody. I don't even know who it was, and he did the. He took the, 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 the imaginary guns out, the whole story, fired them, he blew the, the smoke away, right? To be honest with you, didn't think it was the coolest celebration of a goal I've ever seen, but it was something that was happening. You saw it in kind of continental football. But I remember Brian Loudrup doing that very close to where I was at that game. Um, you know, that, that, the whole thing, imaginary things with guns, guys shooting guns or shooting arrows and things. Footballers do that all over the world. I am just staggered that anybody thinks that that is something worth following up. And that, for me, is a concern. I was not surprised in the slightest that pressure was applied to the SFA. They've been under pressure for the last three weeks. And we only see the stuff that gets in the media. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors. You know, we don't know what kind of manoeuvring is going on. You know, for all, whatever we think of Peter Law, he's a canny operator. You know, he's politically very strong. Um, you know, they've they spent their time when we were plundering around fishing ports of the northeast. Um, they spent their time putting people they wanted in positions in, in Scottish football. Um, so it didn't surprise me in the slightest that, that there was more to come from the SFA um, on, on that game. Um, it didn't surprise me in the slightest. The timing stinks. Two of the charges are total nonsense. But the fact that we're getting them came as no surprise at all. And I, you know, I'm sorry if that makes me sound like I should be wearing a tinfoil hat. Um, it, it didn't come as a surprise. I, I expected it. I just didn't expect it to take three weeks. I think that's a key point there, John. The fact that it takes three weeks um, and comes out hours before we return to football. Um, I, Chris here makes a very good point. Robbie Keane shot guns in celebration for a, a number of years, and that's that's the one I had in my mind as well. Um, of course he did, but I, uh, the Ryan Kent one is. I agree. It's it's. It's it's just astounding. It is. I'm sorry to use the same word that Rangers used, but it's it's madness. As if anyone in that stadium actually felt threatened, actually felt, oh my god, that guy's going to shoot me, and that's what he means by this. Piss off today. He was celebrating a goal scored against the biggest rivals in British football. 
Like it's it is it's madness. But uh, there we go. By by the way, Ross, it'll only get worse. You know that's <laughs> this is we're getting closer. And 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 John's right. You know, all is is pretty good at what he does. But he's also got a lot at stake here. You know, he's got a budget that, you know, far su- surpasses our own. You know, his, his next on the line here, you know, we are effectively a point in front of them. We win our game in hand, we are a point in front of them. So we're, we're closer now than we've ever been on a smaller budget. If that continues in Easter time and April time, it'll just get worse. It is, it'll be an absolute... I don't even want. I don't even want to imagine what it'll be like come that time if we are breathing down their necks and pushing them for this title because they, they they don't know how to take it. No, listen, I one hundred percent agree. There's a very good comment here from Arizona Bay. Just waiting on Scott Arfield getting cited for a salute when he's not really in the military. And actually, it's it's not even as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, it's it's been a, a staggering, staggering revelation over the last couple of days. Lads, with just a couple of minutes left, there's one last thing I'd like to talk about. We got a message through the week asking for us to kind of have a wee look at a little bit more around the, the women's football side of things, particularly with Rangers becoming the, the first team in Scotland for their women's setup to turn professional. Colin, I think that most fans think that this is a good thing. It's a really nice sign um, for, for Rangers to be investing a hell of a lot of money, actually, in the women's side. Obviously, Gregory Vignal taking over the coaching duties there. You can see through social media the number of players that have been signed recently for the Rangers team from from well-established ladies' teams over um, over the world, actually, from Europe and, and further afield. I think it's a, you know, it's, it's a great sign. But are people actually going to bother turning up to the games? I mean, is, is, are, are you, as a kind of local Rangers fan, are, are you actually going to bother going to watch? Yeah, the chances are no, Ross, and but that's not uh, you know a sign of you know how how I view women's football. It's more you know I have other commitments, you know, so I I have to juggle a lot to to get to the games that I get to, you know, to try and do that again for you know the women's team would would be a big ask and one ironically that my female wife would probably not appreciate. Uh, but no, it's good that the club are doing this. And uh, I actually, a few years back, uh, a, a, an old job, uh, we used to have a game of fives on a Wednesday afternoon and there was a there was a, a, a female there, a, a girl called Shelley Valley. She was a Scottish internationalist. And I have to say, she was easily one of the better players there. She was an absolutely outstanding player. Uh, so, you know, it's good that, the, that football in general is catching up and, and you know, putting more sort of spotlight in the women's game and, and, you know, getting professional women's teams and all the rest of it. But, you know, you have to remember a lot of supporters, especially guys at my age, you know, maybe if I was younger and I didn't have any any commitments, but when, when you get to your sort of mid-40s and you've, you know, you've got a wife in Wayne's and all the rest of it, you have to do a lot to get to the, the games that you want to go to. So it would be unlikely that I'd be going to a lot of them, maybe try and get one or two at some point, but it certainly won't become something that's a regular on my my footballing calendar. But again, try and stress that that isn't really reflective of my view of women's football. You know, I'm not sitting there going, I'm not going to that because that's rubbish. It's just because I have have other commitments. Uh, I think the club deserve credit and, uh, and good luck to the team when they're up and running. John, how about yourself as a last word on this? I mean, do you think it's a good thing for the, the image of the club that, that we've managed to be the first team in Scotland to, to set their ladies set up professional? I don't know. I'm torn on this. 
uh, I can't decide whether this whether the, the the female professional game is the coming thing. I mean, certainly you see it in England, um, you know, it, it's getting more and more coverage. If some of the bigger games have drawn half decent crowds, um, there's more money going into it. My worry is we don't have the same disposable income as the big English teams. Um, it's a summer league, the Scottish Women's League, isn't it? Have I got that right? Aye, I think that's that. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe they're looking at it. I mean, I think I'm going to put my cynical hat on and say that I think they're looking at it as, as does this have potential to raise money? Because I think that whatever Rangers do, it should be about making sure that we have the best men's professional team. Um, and I wouldn't like us to be doing anything that would take our eye off that. Um, you know, I remember, you won't remember this, but Colin might remember this. I remember Rangers had a basketball team. Um, professional basketball, semi professional. I, I went to see them, John. They used to play at Coasters Arena. And Coasters Arena, that's right. I went as well once. And, um, you know, they had a basketball team. And I think they won the league one year. I think they won the, the inaugural league. Um, they were certainly they were pretty good, and they used to appear in the Rangers news, and and you know uh, it came enough. You know it, it it was it was a bit of news for a couple of, couple of seasons, and then I don't know what happened. To them. Um, we we had a it was like a motor racing team. It was like it was going to be like a rival to Formula One a few years ago. I don't know if any of you remember that. Rangers had a had a car in it. It's that kind of uh, thing. So 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 so. The club have been involved. I mean, you go far enough back, um, Ross, there was a thing called um, Ranger Sports, where it was an athletic, big, big athletics uh, tournament every summer. So the club have always been involved in other things other than men's football. I think this is this is the next thing. Uh, I wish them every success. Um, I, I don't have a huge issue with this at all. I personally think it unlikely that I will be going for the same reasons as Colin. Um, you know, I, I struggle with trying time to go and see Rangers, uh, I, I can't see me being able to go and see um, this, but you never know. You never know. Maybe it'll take off. Uh, you know, maybe the, the club have a vision for this that um, you know puts on summer football, um, something for the sports to go along. Um, I don't know, but I wish them every success. But no, unfortunately, I, I don't think at this stage it's something that I will be going to see myself. So I'll leave that to you, Ross. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'll I'll go. Um, and and judging by the comments we've got here. A fair few others will be going, but possibly not necessarily just to watch the football. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of let you explain that to your wives and girlfriends. That's fine. Um, guys, I'm going to wrap this up before um, something politically incorrect gets said. So, <laughs> you know. I thought we'd done pretty well. There are a couple of guys been asked yeah, Actually, I was, I, was, I was actually going to ask a question. Like, I know the Billy Boys is banned, but is the Billy Girls okay? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's well, I mean, it's. Does that me cross the line now? <laughs> oh, as the host here, I'm I'm walking a really really narrow tightrope. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wrap that up there, um, guys. Listen, I'd like to say a massive thank you to both of you, to to John and to Colin, for your insightful contributions this evening. To everyone listening, thanks for getting in touch on the YouTube page. We've had probably the most comments we've ever had in a show that that we've been doing. So that's really, really, um, really grateful for that. Make sure you head over to the website, www.jersnet.co.uk, where you can catch up on all the latest news and opinions, as well as a very friendly discussion forum uh, where you can get in touch with myself, with Colin and with John. Remember, as I said, the show will be back next Sunday with another pod. In the meantime, you can find the three of us uh, slagging each other off on Twitter. 
all that's left for me to say is a massive, massive and sincere thank you to everyone for listening and have a great week.